After Buzzers, and welcome to the After Show for Genius, Chapter 8. Uh, in today's episode, Raymond Geist becomes a human being and is freaking amazing. Who would have thought? Uh, Einstein makes questionable decisions again, and um, Hoover has a bug up his butt. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Hello and welcome. Guys, you can't see it yet. You don't know yet. But there's a special guest in the studio, and I'm super excited to talk to him about all things genius. It has been a super fun, crazy week. Yes. Before we get into our favorite moments from this week, uh, why don't we go around the table and have everyone introduce themselves? Hi, all. I'm Louisa Sharamati, and you can find me on Instagram at Nobody Reads Anymore and on Twitter at Nobody Reads. Hey, everybody. Great to be back here. My name is Elizabeth Alfano, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dinner Party CHGO. And last but not least, my name is Zach Silverman. You can find me all across social media at Zach with a C-H Silverman, too. And at my website, thezachsilverman.com. Absolutely. I'm Joelle Monique. You can find me all over the internet at Joelle Monique every week at blackgirlnerds.com. And every Wednesday, it schmoes no. Uh, Elizabeth, do you... Do you want to do the honors and introduce our guests? Sure thing, people. Let's get into it. So we have a great guest here on the couch in the AfterBuzz TV studios. So Sam Sokolo, thank you for Yay! being here. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having you me. You are one of the three, along with Jeff and Chris Cooney, of EUE Sokolo Productions. And really, let's cut to the chase, executive producer, one of the many, executive yes. producers on Genius with Nat Geo. So we're going to be with you all hour talking about some behind-the-scenes stuff. And I want to know about some Nat Geo negotiations. Oh. So we'll work it all in. But great to have you here. Thanks yeah, for thank joining you for us. Coming. Yeah, again, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Why don't we just we'll, we'll dive into you first because I, I have a lot of questions. Uh, <laughs> first, talk about how this project comes to you. How do you get involved with Genius? Uh, so my partners, Chris and Jeff Cooney, who you mentioned, uh, and Gigi Pritzker, uh, who uh, founded Odd Lot Entertainment, they owned the book together uh, and were trying to uh, develop it as a feature film uh, and I'm purely in the television business and at a certain moment in time about two or three years ago after you know I kind of poked them quite a bit and said I, I really think that this is a 10 hour story uh, and I, I, I believe that in my heart that, that Einstein's life was so traumatic set against so many historical moments and was so interesting and personally his younger life to me was so interesting mm -hmm. because I don't know much about being a genius but I know a lot about getting kicked out of school and being a disappointment <laughs> to your parents and too many girls and too many things that you're trying to figure out and, and so I kind of understood that young man I thought a little bit um, and I went and had a meeting at, at Odd Lot and, and said you know what do you think about doing this as a television uh, property and, and they responded wonderfully and, and Rachel Shane who I think was on the show um, recently and I really set off to try to crack the code uh, on how to do this for television and 10 hours just seemed perfect to us yeah. um, and then we had to go on the process of development uh, so I was honored and thrilled to have the opportunity to you know be a part of bringing this to life I actually grew up with Walter Isaacson he's been a family <coughs> friend my wow. whole life oh my so the God. chance to work wow. with Walter wow. in any way was just That's super amazing. cool to me um, but once we got into the story we wanted to tell it was about finding you know a writer and television's a team sport um, and we were blessed to find Noah Pink uh, who we found through a woman named Melissa Rucker who works at Odd Lot with Rachel and Gigi and Noah just blew our minds uh, in our very first conversation and you know we can we can talk more if you want to about it but once yeah. we engaged Noah to write that first script in the 10-hour uh, Bible or you know an overview of the series it, it 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 became a train going down the tracks and you know picked up 
wonderful passengers along the way. Wow. Two things Fantastic. I want to dissect in there. First, you said that you had to break down the code, which is hilarious because I instantly pictured Einstein doing his breakdown <laughs> on the street. Um, I'm curious as to what what was the, the main factor? What broke it for you? And then I also would like to know, uh, in getting to know uh, Noah and wh- what he was doing with the scripts, what was what sold you on him? What was the moment where you were like, we must have him? You know, it, I think like a lot of things in life, not everything, God knows, but a, a lot of things in life, uh, sometimes it's like love at first sight. Yeah. And, and in this yeah. case, it was love at first phone call. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, Noah's based in right Toronto, right. but we had a call. Uh, Rachel and I had the initial call with Noah, and he was so informed and seemed to have such an incredible grasp of the history and the science and the man. And that was uh, a lot of what we aspired to uh, do here. And, and, you know, it's, again, it's very rare that you have a dream this big and then it happens mm-hmm. bigger and better than you dreamt. Yeah. And, you know, Noah, I think, was the first, you know, creative element that saw that as well the same way we did. And Noah, you know, in that conversation, among the things that he put forth was this meeting with Geist. And he said, you know, it was, it was one or two chapters in the book, but he posited on that first call that that was a place where Einstein kind of found his humanity. Yeah. And all of a sudden went from the brash, young, you know, a kid who, uh, you know, as, as we say, is the first rock star and, and really kind of one of the things that we talked about early on was how Mark Zuckerberg or guys like him, you know, all respect, but had Einstein mm-hmm. to teach him how to be kind of an aloof genius yeah. ass or whatever, you know, yeah. and Einstein was like, no, I'm this, this is who I am. And I think Noah felt that. And there was just a connection that was so deep. And this Geist meeting was, became this critical centerpiece of his draft and, and how we wanted to tell the story. And, you know, all that, there were, there were several points of this process along the way where the first conversation turned out to be what happened. Oh, wow. Wow. And wow. that so was... a home run in, wow. in all instances. Yeah, yeah. but that's, that's how amazing. we connected with Noah right out of the gate. Wow. Well, so I'm curious about... Sorry to get to there. I'm curious about the connection to Nat Geo. Did you have Nat Geo in mind or did you shop it around <coughs> to many places and they picked it up? And sort of the second part to that question is, was it 10 episodes only? Do you have that in mind, or do you ever consider 13? Uh, no, I mean, we envisioned it right out of the gate as 10 hours. Um, I think, you know, television has become this wonderful place to create and to adapt books or people or stories without the same formatic rules mm. that mm-hmm. feature films have or that television had even five years ago or you know big little lies seven hours uh you know the night of six hours right. so i think it's about getting it right and 10 felt right and you know i mean i, I give rachel a lot of credit right away she's like i feel 10 hours yeah. and so we followed that instinct and it ended up i think being the perfect amount of time yeah. to tell this story mm-hmm. Um, wow. In terms of Nat Geo, uh, you know, when Ron and Brian and Imagine, uh, Anna Culp and Francie Calfo and you know, that team came on board, uh, the question became, where do we go? And without getting too wonkish <laughs> with the business part of it, you know, Nat Geo had just decided, announced to be in this business. And they had um, an investment that was made by News Corp. Uh, so they were armed and ready. And I think, you know, for my part, 
the brand of Ron Howard and what Imagine is and the brand of Albert Einstein and the brand of Nat Geo. <coughs> they made perfect sense blend. for each yeah, other. Yeah, really you know, and, and it doesn't mean that this couldn't have lived on other networks. Uh, but certain networks have certain personalities. Mm -hmm. yes. And I think, as Ron said, even in the first meeting, I'm telling you, it was amazing. You know, what Nat Geo stands for. Uh, Curiosity and exploration yeah, and yep. and yeah. factuality yeah, yep. and, and beautiful cinematic photography. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it was just a perfect home, and the timing was right. Yeah. And you know, it's it's so rare. You know, I'm an, I've been a producing television for 20 years, and it is very rare to be the first show of a type on a network. There's there's certain excitement about that and support that comes with that, um, and it it really is an opportunity not just I think for the people involved with making the show, but for the show itself yeah. Yeah. to to kind of stand out. And so I think all those factors went into it, but ultimately Nat Geo wanted this, and you know Courtney Courtney Monroe uh, and Carolyn Bernstein, uh, who from Nat Geo were so passionate and adamant that we work with them right out of the gate yes, that it, right. it, it, it really came together wow. pretty beautifully. Yeah. And speaking of Walter Isaacson, so he's your childhood friend. That's amazing. <laughs> I've been reading his book, uh, His Life and Universe. And like I said last time, he takes such a, he does such a great job of taking the celebrity out of Einstein. We connect with him as a human being. So you said you had a funny story, so I want to know. An interesting well, story. It, so. it, it, it just a, it's a sweet story. I, I, I uh, as a, I grew up in New York, and, and my parents were early uh, inhabitants of, not like Easton and, and Southampton, the big swanky old school places, <laughs> but Bridgehampton in the middle. Uh, w they started going out there in the 60s, and by the 70s had a great social community of friends that became this softball game uh, in Sag Harbor that is part of like the artist-writers game that you may or may not have heard of, but it's this uh, amazing group of people that for me to be around as a kid mm -hmm. just thinking of them as uncles and aunts and people that I'm playing softball with uh, you don't know any better but as as I went through time once they're at 10 years old uh, I was pitching in, in, in one of the games and there was a catcher named Carl and he was a great guy and we kind of hit it off and you know we got back to the dugout after an inning and I was like so what do you do for a living and everybody cracked up because it was <laughs> Carl Bernstein you know only five years away from breaking Watergate and, and so all of a sudden I'm like oh I'm, this is a crazy crowd at 13 I moved to shortstop and the second baseman was Walter and so we turned to and he was just the loving guy and amazingly supportive and a wonderful man I mean a great friend and has shown up at all different times you know in, in my career and life uh, so when this became an opportunity you know the, the chance to work with Walter yeah. yes. was so special yeah. yes. that you know it's it, it, it it wasn't why we did it, but it turned out to be, to me, one of the sweetest parts of it. Well, I Aww. doubt that you have this, but if you can find a picture of Walter Isaacson playing second base, we'll put it on our social media. <laughs> don't so be we'll sure we it. don't have that. Yeah, we'll we'll it, you know, we'll yeah, no leaking. You know, we got to be careful here. <laughs> All right, uh, let's dive into the episode a little Please. bit. Um, a lot, where do you, okay? First of all, as we're talking about uh, the Geist meeting, I really liked this device. At first, we kind of talked about how at the end of episode one, we weren't sure where this was going. We we're like, where's Jeffrey Rush? There's a lot of confusion. <laughs> um, yeah. And in this episode, we get to see 
First of all, Vincent's incredible range in acting. Yeah, my the goodness. spectrum that we he showed you, today Vincent. was we just do. amazing. Uh, fantastic, almost teary-eyed there, and then yeah. talking about his mother, and then even the more, the, the more subtle moments of just, do I like this guy? Yeah, like, like, I will always you don't know love how you him. feel because well. I think of him as Pete Campbell every time I see. Yeah, him. Of course. I saw <laughs> Pete Campbell come out once or twice in there. For I sure. did too. Yes, yes, I did too. Yes, I saw him come out when Einstein was kind of making fun of him. Oh yeah, Pete Campbell was always the butt of the joke and Mad Men and everything, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's those moments right after where he, we start to see him warm up to Einstein, where he starts yes. questioning, you know, what his mission really mm-hmm. is here. Um, and we get to even see, like, some sincerity. He's like, I, I'm just here to ask questions, mm-hmm. and if you answer them, we're probably going to be okay, but I have to do my job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then when he realizes he's been perhaps duped, that mm-hmm. he really thought he was coming in good faith to answer questions, and then he realizes perhaps that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. And then there's also that, that scene or the bit of dialogue about his mother, and I think that's where he mm. turns and thinks... I really should be doing service. Am I still doing service? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, he's so blind to what's been going on because Einstein asked him, he's like, how long have you been here for? Two years. Mm-hmm. And like, he doesn't know what's going on in America. He is kind of, I guess, in his own little bubble within the embassy and doesn't really know what's going on with the Jews outside, with the with the you know Nazism coming about, the fascism. fascism. Uh, but you two know, years I'm is a good chunk of time, and if you're a diplomat, you got to know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Yeah. He was sort of woken yeah. up by Einstein. But he, 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 like everyone else in the episode, keeps saying, "Like, well, they're worried he's about just something a, He's different. like a weird, crazy guy out there, and yeah. like, why are you even bothered mm-hmm. by him? Like, he's just shouting crazy things." This is what's awesome about the show is like we, as a culture, know what had happened with Hitler. We had know what happened with Germany and everything, but the people of the time had no idea. He was just some madman. I mean, a perfect segue, I guess, is, and I might get some flack for this, uh, Trump. Can you honestly believe he would be a president like a year ago? There was a lot of people who said, even the night of, like, we're, why are we even... Why bother to vote? Why bother to watch It'll the election roll yeah. in? Like people were in yeah. disbelief; they didn't think it could happen. They so never believed that Hitler would come to term, would come to power, would kill his own people. Mm-hmm. I mean, he said oh, it yeah. in there. He's like, "But you're a German. You're you're like they're not gonna. You're the most famous German scientist. Right. You're not. They're not gonna kick yeah. you out or anything." And he's worried about getting killed. You know, yes. mm-hmm. right? Worried about his life and, and Every, yeah, his, his family even. Community. Yeah, uh, I guess that's a really good place just to segue into uh, his coming to America. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see I'd say comes in and he I love the disembarking off of the ship. Oh, Me too. I was going to say that. The feet. This yeah. slow, whoa, whoa. As they <laughs> Which one are you talking about? The, the, the first the, time. The, the first no, time. I know the when first he... time. Are you talking about when everyone's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. No, I love, I love when they, they got, you got, you guys, I don't know who did it per- personally, <laughs> got a shot of the feet and it was like yes. a slow motion shot of the foot and he took a, there's a moment where he took a breath and was just like, I'm on a new land, like this, because he's never new been story. to America. Right. No, it was a beautiful, it was beautiful, beautiful moment. Amazing Ken moment. Miller, the showrunner, who I, I have so much respect for and admiration for, uh, for what he, he he managed to achieve here, directed episode eight, mm-hmm. um, and it was a great choice. You know, obviously. Matthias Herndl, who's the uh, cinematographer, and yeah. I mean everybody involved in this was so uh, pl- at their A game, and, and they're such talented people. Um, but that was something so that poignant. resonated it, with me too. Yeah. You're now in America, right. and that's supposed to stand for something. Yes, and uh, and I think that you know that's something I'm very proud of this episode. I'm happy yeah. to be here to talk about it. You know, those themes permeate this episode. Yeah, you know, America is this. Dream, the land of the free, he this mentions pl- in yeah, the, in he the speaks episode. very specifically yeah. to it that you know I- immigration is the business model, bringing the best and the brightest to our shores. Yeah. Is that Walter actually said at one point um, on one of the panels that 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 uh, we had that you know when it's a known fact that when immigration is happening, 
our standards go up, our, our, mm. our professional standards go up, our science standards go up, our math standards go up. Our, you know, we, it, we're a more productive society in any country, in any country. not just I America. Mean, yeah. 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 And when immigration is stamped out, yeah. those things go oh, down, down. Yeah. And, and it is yeah. not, you know, multiculturalism is the bedrock of this country. And I think that, you know, some of those themes in this episode obviously resonate today uh, with what's happening, but I think that's also a lesson that this has been happening a long time. Yeah. That that a lot of this stuff is, it's always the fight. It's always the fight for a better nation, a better community, a better people, and aspiring to something and a place that we can go where, and when I say we, I speak as an American, I speak as a Jewish man, a place that we can be together and mm-hmm. be free yeah. and, and explore who we are as people and as a society. And Einstein was dealing with so much of that pressure yeah. in that moment as the most famous scientist, scientist yeah, most famous, scientist. Our most famous Jewish man, one of the most mm-hmm. famous human beings on earth mm-hmm. in Germany at that moment. And everybody's saying it could never happen here. And, you know, I don't think it could happen here, but they didn't think it could happen there. And part of, I think, you know, you asked yeah. uh, earlier before we started, you said, uh, you know, why should millennials, what does this mm-hmm. do for millennials? And yeah. I think that, you know, if you don't know the history, it's exactly. hard to have a better future. Yeah. And I think that the lessons that we may be learning today or experiencing today, you know, they've, they've repeated themselves history over time to multiple hours. different mm-hmm. communities over thousands of years. These situations have repeated themselves and open shores and, and an open society um, is still an aspiration not a perfection, but something I think to always aspire to. And you mentioned history. I didn't really realize that we opened this show and they're rounding up Jews to deport them. And Mm. Hoover is saying that, you know, I'm ready to take them all offshores and and subversives, I think they call them. And I didn't know that about it. Anarchists. 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 I had no idea that happened to Socialists and anarchists. Because they weren't assimilating to be the Christian what America was back then, I guess, you know. I mean, it's hard to even say, like, they're speaking English and they're trying, they're working in the country. Like, it's not, it wasn't even so much about, like, how are you fitting in, but just that you could pose a threat and before we find out mm-hmm. whether you do or not we just need we're to get rid of you yeah. you're out yes. and we see how scared Elsa really was trying to protect him when they were asking him questions about Zionism and all these things and Elsa's like no no we're here to have a speech at Princeton at Harvard she's smart and, yeah she really is smart. his publicist um, she um, was um, his PR manager oh, she was right? his yeah. business yeah. manager his publicist never was that more clear when she started pointing out to which journalist should speak uh, yeah. Yeah. I was like that's just a straight like publicist men. Now. get yourself <laughs> an Elsa and he even says Einstein and I'm sort of jumping ahead here she talks about dalliances and uh, <laughs> Einstein even says you know I'm so sorry because you made me I was yeah. a lump of clay, yes. lump of clay I you shaped me I wouldn't still I be alive if you hadn't taken me that's in. such a beautiful mm-hmm. quote because before that she said when she was upset at him for being late for the opera she said your contributions to the world absorb you from the responsibility you bear to those you claim you love they do not I am not an afterthought yeah. I am still your number one commitment and I, I love, love her. that how yeah. awesome was Emily um, they do oh not my gosh. Yeah, they yeah. do not they do not. <laughs> I'm like, so blunt, just yes. to the point. Wait, what about that scene with, um... At the top, where she, like, uh, like she, like, almost growls at him. It's, like, kind of when the most Geist, perfect thing ever. When Guy said leave, and Later she's like, I'm not leaving. Geist, when Einstein starts getting on a roll, and he's leaning into Geist, and he, he's, like, stood up, and yeah. he's very upset, yeah, and she's yeah. like, if you don't sit down, yeah. I will take you out. I was like, <laughs> yes! This yeah. is the Elsa I've been waiting. Because Elsa that's been presented to me, I feel, it's just the most patient woman I have oh, ever yes. met. Oh, like, my God. So patient. Of a thing. She's like, what can I do? for you. Well, if you think about in an earlier episode, she 
speaks to him in, in I, I can't, I'm not going to quote it exactly, but, you know, at that moment in time, there are not many opportunities for a, 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 a divorced woman to yes. find her we place in the world. She yeah. says that in the previous and, episode. And yes. she also, uh, same part of her character that went, you know, and helped him raise the money that he needed uh, for the, you know, kind of Crimea trip that didn't ultimately work out, right. but got the money. She, I think, understood how to exist inside of a structure. Right. And Einstein was a man whose life was about existing outside, outside. of structure and, and saying no himself. to structure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in, in she was the woman that he ultimately needed, yeah. I think, at yeah. that moment in his life, certainly. Oh, yeah. And then to become the, the man that he ultimately became, which is the version of him that most of us think about. Yep. I think Maleva was the woman that he needed at that moment mm-hmm. in time for multiple reasons. Uh and and that and that allowed him to free himself of fam- familial expectations and explore his yeah. science yeah. in a way exactly. to him that was pure. Obviously, and it she wasn't helped him with the science. Of course, very much yes. so. Yes. Very much so. Yeah. Very very much Poor so. Maleva. And Gigi yeah. and Rachel mentioned too that at that time he wasn't ready for an Elsa kind of woman. So now he evolved to the wife that he needed, and he even apologized in this last episode and oh, said, "Oh, it was so heartfelt." You know, I believed him. 100%. I would have been Absolutely. dead probably if you weren't around. Yeah. I I believe him, but what's even stronger to me. And shocking to me, although I understand it because of her position in society, she has to say, you are allowed to have these dalliances. I let you. I permit you. That was hard Let's for me to hear. Let's roll into it. I think that's kind of like a reverse it. psychology a little bit. Because he has... I mean, we got rid of Betty, right? Betty was her name? Did Betty, Betty get married? She, after, after that scene, she was no longer his uh, assistant or secretary. And he even mentioned to oh. Geist, like, and yeah, I have a new secretary. She's not as pretty as Betty, but whatever. <laughs> you know, I think he woke up and understood... I should be respecting my wife, you know. But his affairs ah, don't end after no, this. No, his affairs don't end. I think she I know they don't, but I think he's getting in the right Betty, in, in the right set mindset at least. I just feel like Einstein's never going to be faithful. Like, no, I don't think he's not monogamous. I, I honestly think like there are people who are like I. The monogamy is, just, is I cannot be mm-hmm. faithful. Like I don't want that for myself, and I will just cheat on you. So we need to like come to some conclusions <laughs> some about well, what we're going to do. Think of think of uh, I, I. You know, there's so many articles out today about relationships and mm-hmm. redefining relationships and uh, the New York Times magazine had a huge piece a few weeks ago about open marriages and oh, yeah. couples that agreed to do that and yeah. I, you know I think to a certain degree marriages historically are arrangements you know we in this country at this moment in time get to choose our own arrangements mm-hmm. they're not necessarily chosen for us um, but I think that Einstein was a man who was trying to figure out his perfect marriage and that doesn't mean it was conformist to what we think is right. It doesn't right. even mean it's right. Yeah. It, a marriage is between two people. It's not ah, between the opinion yes. of other people. Yep. Yes, it's between two people, but it's the Elsa that I worry about in that in that equation because I'm not sure <laughs> she's really getting her balanced out share. Well, well I, I feel like, like Elsa gets exactly what she needs in her relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like I don't feel like Elsa. She's never been like whereas Maleva, like their relationship was first kind of based off this mutual respect of intelligence but also lust like they were kind of figuring each other out physically before they really understood each other as people but with Elsa, it's the exact reverse. Like they, they're actually family, so they've known each they other know. really deep <laughs> yeah. 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 as, as people. <laughs> and what you need, and what I need, and how we can balance each other out. And I think she's like, look, I really care who you sleep with. Like that doesn't bother me. I'm not invested in that part of you emotionally. But when you don't show up for the things that I've planned and organized, when you know, again, we talked about this mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Her whole life is a social thing. Yeah. Yes. When when you, you cut that part of her out, like she's like, what I won't do is be Maleva. I will not sit yeah. here and let you tell dictate how I live my life. 
So we've got to like I was really although proud of although her. A, a very very clear delineation between Maleva saying you know saying and living I do not like this life mm. yeah and Elsa saying in episode eight I love this life mm-hmm. I think she's but I've got rules yeah. too right. yeah mm-hmm. and that I and he responded in I think um, and so you know again it's an imperfect science that literally uh and and i think that uh, einstein you know we it's a theme throughout yeah he might be able to master the universe but he has a hard time mastering people mm-hmm. and i He's again i think being. that was one of those things that that we ultimately aspired to early on and then and then in the middle of and 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 even now to to show the man yeah. and you know people are not perfect mm-hmm. um i think his equation is close to perfect but <laughs> you know people are not perfect and and that's a reality I think we're seeing that a lot in the audience reactions via social media. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are like, man, the performance isn't in the scenery. But then when it comes to Isaac being there, a dad, there's like a record scratch. Yeah. Like, I don't understand what's happening. He He's like the granddaddy of everything. Like, he's so <laughs> sweet and funny. Um, and we learn that he has really difficult relationships with his children. We see Edward him. He has no relationship yeah. with his children. Yeah. Um, he doesn't give them any time. How did you guys think about him visiting Edward in the well, asylum and, and how all that I went think it today? was so beautiful that he attempted to regain some kind of relationship by playing the violin, yeah. just like he did well, when he, he was got younger. Well, he got third to him. Yeah. I didn't think he had any right saying, you could come live with me in America. I yeah. thought that was incredibly I, rude, too. Especially I, when you I, can't In front speak. of Maleva, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm s- you have no rights. You're lucky you're even seeing him right now. That relationship honestly never even got better because both of his sons died pretty early right, on yeah, but like that, right? I know you're going to probably comment on this too I think as a father figure he wasn't the best and it was already ruined well being being who he was and I mean I think I mentioned this before we wouldn't have gotten the things that we have today if he was a good father figure and I think he even mentioned things in the episode um, where he you know with Maleva he had his science and it, it if if it wasn't for her, she, he wouldn't have gotten to that to that level. Mm-hmm. And then with Elsa as well. But if he were to keep fitting all these things into these in this tiny box, he, he wouldn't have been able to he have fits equals in the MC affairs. Squared. I don't know. I'm not ready to <laughs> cut him some slack. Like uh, well, but, I mean, <laughs> look okay, so in an earlier yeah. in an earlier episode again. Not 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 to only defend his behavior, but in an earlier episode, uh, Marie Curry talks to him about I was never there for my children I have yes. a strained relationship but it's different there, than mother there, the mother father the mother father yeah. no doubt but, but there is a price to pay for that success this is a crazy leap and it couldn't be a more different thing but even Oprah Winfrey says in interviews I don't think I would have been a great mom because I am Oprah I don't think that's a crazy and so, leap at and all. so I've decided right. not yeah. to have kids yeah. and be in that position I agree and, with that and, and, you know, it's the sacrifice that they're willing to take to right. better off well, and we've talked about this on. before, and I'm curious about your perspective. In order to be genius, like there's an aspect of uh, emotional removal for that. Like you have to be completely obsessed with your craft. The brain can only. Oh, I mean, you know, take in so much. Taken so much whether yeah, whether you whether you have to be or you just are, mm. I think is part of the question of what genius is. Uh, you know, are you are you are you chasing something, or are you scratching an itch that you just can never quite, <laughs> you know, get get through? And that's all you think about. I think Einstein, you know, from the time he was a, a little boy, wanted to crack the solu- the solution of the universe, and that was the journey he was on in life. 
And then the people that were on the journey with him in life were either on that journey or they weren't on that journey, for better or worse. I mean, I'm not going to defend him as a dad. I'm not going to defend him as a husband, Uh, although I I think he had love in his heart, and I think he had um, things that he cared about and and certainly became more compassionate over time as he had the room to become more compassionate. Um, But I do think that there is a... I think age helps with that. Mm -hmm. Without question. There, there, There is a price to pay for genius whether it's an intended price or an unintended price Mm -hmm. when you have a goal Mm -hmm. whatever that goal is you know you just things things have to be put to the side he's so focused on what he wants Mm -hmm. like we even seen this episode he almost gets run over by a car right Mm -hmm. and 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 in almost getting run over by a car it has a thought experiment Mm -hmm. and figures something out because that's where he is that's where that's where he lives he we, you know we, we've said it many times along the way internally uh, I- that you know he was like the first rock star mm-hmm. yeah and you know when you think of a rock star you can't wait to see them play and they're not always great husbands wives <laughs> parents yeah. they're out there being rock stars yeah. Yeah. and so I think that there's a lot of relatability to his experience for a lot of different parts of the of culture not just science uh, but he was you know, we talked about this too. Einstein came about at the same time as Babe Ruth and at the same time as, as Charlie Chaplin. Mul- you know, global multimedia, uh, not multimedia, but global media was just exploding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, with, with the uh, um, Industrial Revolution and science changing the way we were living, he really became like the most famous guy in the world for something that nobody else quite understood. <laughs> and that's, that's an interesting place to be and to navigate. And, uh, you know, it, it's something, again, that we were thrilled to try to explore, but it, it's an interesting thing to think about. It's funny how you, you implemented that into the episode itself because there was uh, – he was sitting down with um, with Haim, was it? And mm-hmm. I think he's like, I told you – I explained this to you three times already. And he's like, and I don't understand it, but at least you do, you know? And well, that's what I, I – one of the great things Ken Biller, uh, you know, talks about a little bit, uh, there are certain – lines of dialogue in the in the entire series that are just real mm-hmm. that are taken straight from from oh really from transcripts uh, see, i thought that was something to just make us as the viewers be like all right i'm I, not I'm, I'm not the only one who's <laughs> really not understanding this like <laughs> you're giving you're having this character also like i'm relating to that person like okay cool i'll still watch this yeah show. no that that was apparently a quote that that high really? weitzman actually That's gave to einstein okay. uh, w- uh as they were traveling to america you know maybe you know whatever happened at that dinner or somewhere else that was an actual quote that he had uh, also in this episode was you know God doesn't play dice with right. the universe. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. that's this is a an real awesome episode. Quote. Oh, yeah. yeah, I love how you guys implemented or introduced God into this episode because we had God uh, talked about a few different times. Now I'm kind of like the science guy, I guess, on this panel, and I We're think very I, lucky I, to have I, I don't <laughs> claim to know a lot, but I do like to follow some of this stuff. So when I saw him talking to uh, uh, Higgs, I think it was. Um, or, and they had the whole um, the cars with the with the particle. Is it uh, Niels Bohr? I think right. No, it's Higgs. Okay. His, his Higgs bohm. Higgs. Bohm, I think no, I think it was Bohr. Yeah. Bohr. Okay, Bohr. But um, they're talking about the God particle, which is phenomenal. That he's Geist gets to mention God, and he's like, "Oh, so you are a man of faith." And he's like, "Not in the way that you think." But um, I think he says the universe is so extraordinary; yes. only God could have created. Yes, but it's just yes. it's amazing how like you bring in these factors of, of religion and science, and then uh, most I don't know if most of you would have known, but the particle that he's speaking about is the Higgs bos- bosom uh, particle, which is the God particle, which is like, does it exist or not? It only exists if we could view it, and we can't view it because it's moving so fast. I don't know. I'm nerding out. Sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I loved how the, the duality of God was placed in both of this episode. Well, he Einstein has another quote that I, you know, I've learned so much 
doing this myself and so much from him uh but he has a quote and i'm probably going to butcher it but that you know religion without science is lame or is and and science without religion is is lame it's it's there's a better better word but they they exist together i mean if god created everything then god created science and god gave us the ability to figure science out and do things with that so they go i've never understood personally the anti-scientific movement in religion i've never understood it i understand faith and i understand uh some people have certain you know scripture that they believe in deeply Mm -hmm. but the idea that in some way religion is anti-scientific or science is Mm anti-religious is it's just insane because there's religion and then there's organized religion which has an agenda that may or may not be religious he said science without religion is lame religion without science is blind right yes Yes. what was the quote that Einstein said to Geist thank you um, in this episode where he was talking about um, something about the relativity no no I was put on this world to to figure it out Mm -hmm. I think you know God created science and then I was put on this world to uh, cre- uh, to figure out that science of it, to figure I think out how he did it, yeah. To figure out, yeah. Oh, God created the universe, and I was. I'm just here to figure out the beauty. I love that quote. It was beautiful. And I know you mentioned Chaplin in the book. It says that Einstein and Chaplin developed this great relationship as friends. And uh, I wish we Chaplin, that, Chaplin was quoted saying, left. Uh, "Chaplin was to say, quoted, man, keep keep tuned uh, in for yeah. a minute over yeah. here." <laughs> He said, said, they are cheering us both. You because nobody understands you. And me because everybody understands me. Adorable. That's awesome. I do hope we get that bromance. I really want to. Yeah, because we got to see uh, Young. We got to see, uh, who was the other uh, author that we saw briefly? Uh, Kafka. 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 Yeah, you guys just beautifully placed these like famous people in time. Well, I think (laughs) that goes back to the format. Yeah. Uh, You know, a 10-hour format allows for, almost demands exploration not just of the man but of but the people, people around the man yeah. and 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 not just the intimate people like Maleva uh, and Elsa but the you know from Max Planck um, you know obviously Philip Leonard and and the the other people in the science community the other people in the world that had influence on him like Hyam Weitzman you know yeah. there there are stories his life was so amazing if you think about two world wars the 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 you know the rise of you know the the rise of Zionism and ultimately Israel becoming oh, yeah. a state oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. coming to America in that volatile time it was really truly um, a remarkable life and I think that was one of the things that that amount of time in that format allowed for and again I I can never tip my hat enough to Noah and Ken and the writers room and and Ron and the creative people that that really cracked how to tell this story and include all of this all of the history all of the science all of the religious concepts all of the women all and all <laughs> and all, all women, and all yeah. layered behind a soap opera that was real yeah mm. and you know I, it's a remarkable feat of writing and i think that that's why i have a lot of people uh you know on that was friends of mine and, and family who you know say I, they're riveted by this but they always use that word that they're riveted, not not just interested or entertained. They're riveted, and I think there's so much going on. And again, the, the writers and the directors pulled this off, and the actors pulled this off. Yeah. It feels like a thriller. Oh, it does. Oh, it looks like a movie. It feels like a thriller, even though it's a even yeah. though it's a a, a a story of a man. I yeah. think you guys really were. I don't know. If fortunate is the right word, but but the timeliness of the show mm-hmm. is uh, it's poignant and it, it's affecting when you're watching it. Even today, with the stuff with Hiram and, and exploring otherness, and how do you 
relate to your religion and your people and still be a part of a country that's larger than you, which is a thing we're seeing a lot of subsects of groups dealing with currently. Um, and it was kind of explored beautifully in, in Einstein first, you know, being protected by his wife of saying, you know, I'm worried that if you speak out, you'll be hurt. And then we get this moment where he gets to talk to his people. And oh my gosh, guys, extras casting slash dressing in that scene was so beautiful. The mm -hmm. way that, um, without any words, we got to see different classes of people choosing yeah. to leave right. as yes. they heard yes. the information Einstein was delivering. The idea of like, you know, the upper class being like, but we can assembly. We have the ability. We have the funds to do it. We have the right look. We could disappear into the society and be happy. Yep. And you see behind them a lot of poor people. You know, we have the woman remove her ring. We see mm -hmm. the, the little boy little chases boy him in to give nickel. him a nickel to be like, but maybe you could do something with this. I yeah. can help. I want to be a part of it. Um, I, I was really affected by that scene. I thought it was beautiful. That yeah. little boy yeah. gives him the quarter and says, they took away my, my father yeah. and I want, I want you to, to build him home. a home. Yeah. To build him a home. It was, so, it was yeah. so heartbreaking. I kind of teared up. I just couldn't watch it. Yeah. yeah. But I also thought what was fascinating is how you see this progression of Einstein. So in the beginning, he says, you know, uh, okay, we need a home, but is Palestine the answer? I mean, mm. it, there will. It's not a question of if, but a question of when they will rise What's up. What's crazy so, about that was you know, insane. He, yeah, it was that forethought. Yeah, he's just so knowledgeable. I mean, he could see the times and everything. I mean, he's great at science and math, but I feel like he looked at the world and saw uh, trends and knew. Like there was multiple times where he's like, "We should be worried about Hitler," and then he even mentioned uh, the rise of like Palestine and mm. and the conflict that's going on now. Yes, and I, that's. 70 so, plus years 60 plus years in his, ahead of his time that well I, I think he had the benefit uh, to what degree I can know this but I think he had the benefit of being a scientist and looking at things from a place of logic yeah. mm -hmm. not of emotion mm -hmm. not of money and not of political maneuvering and yeah. of observation and, and being able to see Great things for observers. what they are yeah. and and in that way and literally see things for what they are not just think things mm -hmm. for what no, they are I think that's great where the said. thought experiment yeah. part of his life yes. there's a great there's a couple of great books that I'll just recommend please do uh, yes. yeah, uh, I'm going to write them down one is, called, well, one is called Einstein's Dreams okay. um, <laughs> it's, it's not a very big book but it's a it's an amazing book that talks about his imagination and oh. my, my business partner Jeff Cooney turned me on to that book it was one of his favorites and, and, and encouraged me to read it early on when we were thinking about all this Does stuff Does it mention him going into like meditative states to get into his because uh, I've, I've kind of delved into a little bit of how he like got into these like wild premises and uh, I've been I, I was it was my understanding that he like kind of almost meditated and, and it just came to him like well he fell into them yeah he, it was and, like this. And, and when he was there yeah. you know early on I think even in the first episode you know he's in a classroom and he's just yes. looking at the yeah. window yeah, and yeah, light yeah. And you, guys did you know a great he, job he gets into that space yeah and then then he sees things and then they make sense and and then he tries to explain them. You also but mentioned E. Another book, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, a writer named David Badanis wrote a book called e Equals MC Squared. Okay. It's a biography of the equation, and he aspires to explain, uh, explain the <laughs> equation and 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 what it means and its application and why it's so important in a very accessible way. Awesome. And I found that to be a terrific thing to read. It's it's actually a great read, and 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 it helped me. You know, almost I, I could put it down feel like I knew it and then someone <laughs> say so t explain it to me and then I just like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah read the book <laughs> <laughs> summer reads are now done you yes. know what you need yes, yes. Right. now you're all set uh, as we're winding down a little on time I want to skip to Hoover because yes. uh, some interesting stuff with that. I love watching Hoover in history because he's like <sighs> he's such an emotionally complicated man who made some like 
who made this like long-standing important institution but at the same time made some real dick moves mm-hmm. <laughs> and watching that like dichotomy of like great american institution to like harming whole groups of people to hiding a lot about your personal self um was great and i wasn't sure how much we were going to get into it i liked like that we got just because everyone knows Hoover, these yeah. little snippets little of, of him, him. Yeah. particularly that phone call. Was that office bugs? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I know, what? I love that. So Which when, phone call? when guys gets a phone call from Hoover, he uh, just as he starts warming up to Einstein, yeah. he gets this oh, like, oh, oh. and we have a guest here who might be able to answer that. So before we we address him with the question, I wanted to ask you guys it. what you thought. I was like, that office is bugs. He's like, you're getting too close to Einstein. Yeah, I, I, I make a call. I think it was bugs. I think it about that. Definitely was bugs. Because the next, I mean, in the previews we saw something with bugging. But yeah, that that makes perfect oh. sense. Well, it also had to be bugged because if Geist were just relaying the information himself, you wouldn't have had Einstein's personality, which is why I think he got denied. If if Geist were just saying the answers, Einstein's answers were relatively palatable. It's yeah. when Einstein had his personality that was a little bit confrontational. That's, that's what, what you get. Hoover. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought you were referring to the other phone call when uh, Hoover is, says. Get me, guys! <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, uh, the earlier one. Bugged office? Yes? Well, I mean, I, I can't... we learn more later? Uh, no, I can't tell you exactly. I mean, Mueller might find out. But no, I can't <laughs> tell you for, for certain that office was bugged, but I know that Hoover's world was bugged. Okay. And right. Hoover, wow. you yes. know, again, it's an interesting theme. You can almost see a direct line from Hoover to Nixon to Roy Cohn to Donald Trump where, where the idea of using fear for a purpose is is an idea that you know I, I don't think it's, it's a, a good idea but it's a weapon and Hoover, uh, Hoover was the you know the red scare I mean that was his that was yeah. his brainchild was the idea of scaring people oh into a certain kind of behavior and activity I was just and re- creating the yeah. the 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 politics of the other mm-hmm. as, you right. know as we we said for a minute the politics of well who's the other if we can create another then yeah, we can an defend enemy. ourselves, yeah. Yeah. and you have to have another to defend to yourself. And I think Hoover was a, was a was a in a political sense and a and a police sense a mad scientist. Mm. Um, and you know, very interesting that a very logical man without a political agenda became mm-hmm. such a an enemy to Hoover conceptually yeah. because his thought process was not so to create division and fear it was to create unity mm-hmm. and that in itself is offensive to a guy like Hoover so in a in a in a in an internal society that Hoover was creating that was generally bugged I think you could assume it was. Uh, and Chaplin yeah. and Einstein had this in common because Chaplin was also then kicked out of the U.S. at some point and he became an enemy of the state mm-hmm. when he was <laughs> an actor-director. Oh, so, mm-hmm. uh, interesting. Yeah, and, and I mean, again, history repeats itself. Oh, yes. and, and and I, you know, not myself taking a political stance one way or the other. I personally don't think that creating an environment of fear mm-hmm. is intelligent. No. Yeah. I don't think it's smart. I think it, it, it foments... Uh, uh, anger and division and you end up with a lot of terrible things happening as a result of that um, which is why they give mm-hmm. they create unity in kindergarten yeah. and let's all uh, kind of hold hands and all be good yep. and then nobody fights and everything's cool and and yeah. I think that you know Hoover just wasn't that that kind of cat you know speaking yeah. of Hoover fast forwarding fast forwarding to the Manhattan project we didn't get a lot of it but I think the public associates Einstein and the bomb together but after reading it I realized that Einstein didn't really work on the Manhattan Project because Hoover didn't give him clearance. I think you thought they probably worked together, right? On the Manhattan Project? Hoover wouldn't have been, like, working with Einstein. No, so he didn't allow Einstein to work yeah, on Yeah, no, he it. thought Einstein... 
you know, in, in a way, it's a very complicated part of Einstein's yeah. existence, yeah. and and something that ultimately, going back to the original co- conversation of format, why ten hours as opposed to a movie? Mm. Why it's so hard to do, in my opinion, a two-hour yeah. exploration of so his much. life? Yeah. We well, but you so have much, to yeah. do the bomb. Have to. You ultimately have yeah. to do the bomb because yeah. his life is that irony that in trying to solve the mysteries of the universe mm-hmm. for humanity's sake, he creates. Uh, an equation that leads to the greatest death machine yeah. in history, which was the l- the opposite of what his goals were, yeah. and you see that in his relationship with with Haber, uh, you know that uh, Franz Haber that that yep. was I- you know he 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 looked down on Haber for creating yep. gas and, and, gas and a, but but because Einstein was a part of the Prussian Academy and was a part of that group in that scene, Hoover saw him as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's a man who may or may not, in Hoover's kind of distorted mind, have anarchistic thoughts or is a communist. And, you know, he's a, he's a Jewish man from Eastern mm-hmm. Europe. He's a Jew. I mean, that's, of course, he's going to associate with some communists in that era. But in Hoover's mind, he's a weapon. And ultimately, in, in, a, in, a, in a crazy way, he was because he created something that could be used to create the bomb, yeah, and and I think that you'll see in the next uh, yeah, the two episodes said something along those you know lines. some of this yeah. explored, uh, you know. But I think that if we only had two hours, we'd probably do the next two hours, right. yeah, because that's what yeah, he's most known for. Because you know, next week yeah. is the movie. Um, he says something <laughs> interesting in there that I want to make sure we touch on before we leave this episode. Uh, Einstein is awarded the Nobel Prize, yes, um, but not for relativity, not for no. relativity, and he decides not to go because he's essentially like you know, forget those guys. They don't support relativity. They gave me this like they gave little it off based off gold pass because photo, I have popular genetic something. Photo. Yeah, it was yeah. based yeah. off of what Phil Leonard uh, had, done. had done before. Which is like a point that it. I want to bring up. Yes. Yeah. the fact yeah. that he calls it, he's like. Philip Leonard's going to be so, so mad. mad. And Elsa's like giggling Elsa was yeah. so because happy. it's based off of Philip Leonard's research. But based off what we're hearing today about the Manhattan Project, I feel like that's also going to, those tables will be flipped on him next week because Philip Leonard would never help Einstein. Einstein would never help to build the bomb. And yet this thread that we've seen throughout the show of scientists helping science create Building things that we things, don't yeah. necessarily want to do. Um, I'm excited to see the conclusion of that, to see how the creators decided wait, to wrap so that excited. up. Yeah. Um, with that in mind, let's jump into predictions. <gasps> Already. You're going to see some fun. There we go. Hey. <laughs> I know what happens, so I'm, I'm recusing myself. Fair enough. Fair enough. Absolutely. So, um, and we mentioned Manhattan Project. Yes. Yeah. Sure. We, we know we have two hours. What mm. are we hoping to see in these last two hours? Ooh. Um, I, there is a very important quote that Einstein says, I think, after seeing the bomb go off that mm-hmm. I would love to see uh, spoken. Okay. Come to life. Come to life. Well, mm-hmm. I want to see him in America. So, okay. you yep, know, we see in this episode... He is at odds with Geist, and mm. then they come to an understanding, and I don't want to get rid of this episode without saying, Geist then, if this is true, and I wanted to oh, know yeah, if this episode, is 100% true, so he says to Geist, I'm not going to sign this communist thing, I don't have to, and Geist gives him the visas anyway, and then Einstein says, you're going to lose your job, and he's like, well, I'll have to so find beautiful. ways of other ways to be of service, and so Einstein signs, and he says, I want you to promise me that you will not have Elsa and I be the only Jews you let into America. Is that a true quote? I I don't know if it's a verbatim quote, but as you noticed at the end of the episode, it's the only end that a a Chiron comes up Mm -hmm. and gives Geist the credit that he deserves. I mean, not a man anybody really knows in history, uh, but someone who did that. And I think it's, you know, a a very um, uh, logical conclusion that this experience 
opened his eyes in a lot of ways. And but but Geist in history, if you go back and and study Geist, which which Noah did, and 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 also Ken and the team, and God also tip my hat to Vincent, who's become a great friend and I love, and he's oh, just yeah. so good Amazing. in it. We love you him. know, Vincent uh, reached out to be on this show. Oh, he's so and we right on. Make it all work. Yeah, yeah. Maybe next but, week. But um, uh, you know, I think that that Geist is a hero. You know, he's someone that made the right decisions in a in a morally yeah. uh, either either confused or corrupt uh, environment that Hoover was creating. Geist was a, her- a hero who stood up for what he knew was right, and I think he's someone that can inspire a lot of people. You know, today, but also it really is a cool cat in history. He's a guy who did that, and and I, I, I think Ken and, and the team wanted to give him credit for that, and the network as well. Let's give Geist the credit he deserves. Yeah, I'm glad you know. they did. 50,000 Jewish don't, I don't think people. I would be yeah, here today, I uh, actually, because I, oh. I have my great-grandmother who came over a week before Kristallnacht, uh, oh, the breaking of yeah, glass. That gives me and goosebumps. Yeah, every time. Like, uh, she, the, the next week, her town was just, you know, people were killed and everything. Like, I probably would not be here if it wasn't for that, because I'm pretty sure I, he's... I'm, I'm, I'm very close. My, my yeah. grandmother, as as the story goes, was thrown out of a window during a pogrom at seven, made it to the next town, my, my father's mom, and got to America as a young Jewish woman in the exact Bronx. kind of yep. environment that they're looking at in, in yeah. this episode. And I feel the same. If not for certain people... I wouldn't be here, yeah. You know, and so yeah, thank, maybe. thank goodness for them. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a really lovely way to uh, commemorate Geist, especially because we get it's such a long time to get that payoff, and for so long it yeah. leaves you with the thought of like, what is this guy doing? He seems like such a harsh person, and to to have this lovely reveal of his humanity and his desire to do good, and then also for that to be the turning point for Einstein, like it. It just feels right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're like, yeah, this is episode eight. We're finally getting like the grandfatherly Einstein that you know we're more familiar with and love. And it kind of makes the whole struggle. Like I know we've all kind of lamented Maleva's struggle, and um, even like to his sisters and like some of the other women in the show or the friends that he kind of brushes off here and there. And we're like, man, we expected more, but I think we see the payoff in this episode. Yeah. It makes it kind of all worth it and have meaning. Um, and I think that's incredible storytelling. I, I just want to add one thing to that it correct me if I'm wrong but I think this is the first relationship we really see Einstein have with somebody who is not groundbreakingly smart he's a mm. bureaucrat for all other purposes yeah so he's not a writer he's not a politician he's not breaking Something, the mold yeah, any in anywhere. any way shape or form in his life currently and they develop this nice bond. friendly warm yeah. old man bond you know which is kind of nice to see I hope we get more of those. Like, yeah. I I'm, want to see him interact more with the students because every time we see we see him lecturing, it's like a burst of joy on the <laughs> screen. It's so fun. Um, I'm also kind of hoping. I I'm not 100 percent clear on the history. Uh, d- did his, one of his sons die before he did, or did he outlive both of his sons? Do we know? No, I thought. Well, I thought Edward died before. Edward he did. died, and and I think his other son outlived him. Okay, because okay. he was at his. So two things. Check it out. So two things. One, I, I want to see how he deals with that because it's the worst pain a person, a human being can go through. Um, and I'm curious how the man handled it. And I, I also want to see if he and Albert ever reconnect at any level or, or even if they don't reconciliate, like what was their relationship like? Mm-hmm. I, I hope we get some finalization on, on that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. All right, people, two hours next week. (laughs) Awesome. Last thing I I just want to throw out, you were talking about the lecture part, and this this goes back to what I said, you know, when, when, when this all came together, Ron said early, early on that 
because it's Albert Einstein, because it's Nat Geo, because it's Imagine, you know, the, the, the people involved in this, there's an obligation to do things really factually Good. and get it right, yeah. you know, and that became the North Star for everybody. And to the point where when you watch his lectures and those scenes, the equations on the board are the correct equations yes. I kind of, of what he'd be doing, do, yeah. wow. saying during those lectures and that talent to bring that to life you mentioned the costume design you know if if this is a moment where i'm here to talk about the show again i just (laughs) i want to tip my hat to everybody that worked on this the crew and and the keys the department heads they all did this job so incredibly and impeccably well and raised the bar i think for telling a a story like that seriously and and it comes across i gotta come work for you (laughs) (laughs) we all want to look excited about quality work (laughs) yes right oh Oh, wait i have a quote from you actually let me see if i can get this uh when i was researching you a very nice quote Talking about your company and getting genius to the network, all it took was coming out to L.A. and working for 15 to 16 years. (laughs) But those dreams do come true, and they come true by waking up every day and doing good, high-quality work. So hats off to you. Thank you for that. Thank you, guys. To you all as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Guys, we will be back next week for the season finale, episodes 9 and and 10. 10. Um, We're only going to have an hour, so hopefully not too much happens. No, I'm kidding. We're going to get through it, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, until next week, Zach, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me at Zach with a CH Silverman 2 and at my website, thezachsilverman.com. Hey, everybody, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Dinner Party CHGO and find all of my interactive TV event series, The Celebrity Dinner Party, at thedinnerparty.tv. Hi, all. You can find me on Instagram at Nobody Reads Anymore and on Twitter at Nobody Reads. And check out my latest book review on According to a Source, which is by my dear friend Abby Stern. It's her first novel about an <laughs> undercover Hollywood reporter who is trying to find her authentic self. So check it out. <laughs> and, sir, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where can they look for you? They can find me at uewisokolo.com or in my office working on the next <laughs> great show. Uh, guys, I will be back next week. My name is Joel Monique. You can find me all over the internet at Joel Monique every week at blackgirlnerds.com every Wednesday at Schmoes. No, if you head over to the blackgirlnerds.com Spotify playlist right now, uh, the queer writers have come up with a bunch of playlists describing our coming out stories. Um, so they're all a whole bunch of fun with like a wide range of music. So if you want to celebrate Pride with music, you can go check that out. Uh, until next week, we've been After Buzz and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 